Hello, friends. Welcome to Careers Without Four Years. I'm Melanie Dunn. I'm a workforce development professional, and this podcast is for anyone who wants to find out where the opportunity is in today's job market for great careers that don't require four-year degrees. The economy has changed. Today, most jobs don't require bachelor's degrees. We'll hear from professionals in technology, healthcare, the trades, and other industries who love what they do and make a good living at it. In addition, you'll learn how to shop for affordable training, how to pay for it with grants and loans without excessive costs or debt, or even find free training. And if you are a woman or person of color, please listen in for inspiring stories by people who are thriving in careers you may not have seen yourself in. Today's interview with Ellen Murphy, who is a medical assistant, is also a tale of what they call stackable certificates. So a certification as a medical assistant usually takes anywhere from five to nine months. You can usually get that at your local community college. And please, when you're shopping for training, go there first, because usually their tuitions and access to grants um, the tuitions are lower, the access to grants money is better. It's a very crowded field um, out there of organizations offering, offering this training, but I'm telling you, first start with your community college and then you can comparatively shop from there. You should also check with your state department of labor to see if they offer training. The mean annual wage for a medical assistant is $36,000. And that is also the same for those certified in phlebotomy. But you can start to increase your wages, as Ellen refers to in the interview, by specializing. And one areas in which Ellen is specialized is in surgical technology. So the average wage of surgical technologist is $50,000. Now, what you're looking for when you're looking for a good medical assistant program is a certain number of hours, about 350, of classroom education and about 150 hours or so of clinical experience. So you need both those components. This will give you the education to sit for an exam. All these institutions that train you, none of them can take that test for you. They all just prepare you to take this test. It's the registered medical assistant exam and it's through the American Medical Technologists. Today's interview with Ellen Murphy, who is a medical assistant, is also a tale of what they call stackable certificates. So a certification as a medical assistant usually takes anywhere from five to nine months. You can usually get that at your local community college. And please, when you're shopping for training, go there first, because usually their tuitions and access to grants, um, the tuitions are lower, the access to grants money is better. It's a very crowded field um, out there of organizations offering, offering this training. But I'm telling you, First start with your community college and then you can comparatively shop from there. You should also check with your state department of labor to see if they offer training. The mean annual wage for a medical assistant is $36,000.
And that is also the same for those certified in phlebotomy. But you can start to increase your wages, as Ellen refers to in the interview, by specializing. And one areas in which, which Ellen is specialized is in surgical technology. So the average wage of surgical technologist is $50,000. Now, what you're looking for when you're looking for a good medical assistant program is a certain number of hours, about 350, of classroom education and about 150 hours or so of clinical experience. So you need both those components. This will give you the education to sit for an exam. All these institutions that train you, none of them can take that test for you. They all just prepare you to take this test. It's the registered medical assistant exam, and it's through the American Medical Technologists. So today, my guest is Ellen Murphy. Ellen is a medical assistant. Uh, she works for a dermatologist in private practice in the New York metropolitan area. Um, Ellen, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. You have such an interesting story of getting into your career. And I know that being a medical assistant is a pathway to different jobs within healthcare. However, you have been lucky enough to um, be able to explore some of those with an employer over a pretty long time. I just thought to start, if you could tell us how you entered a medical career. I entered a medical career actually because um, it wasn't working at my original uh, uh, choice of jobs was not working out for me. I was trying to be a flight attendant and um, I was actually work also working in banking and it just it did not work out for me. And I just always felt like it was okay to tell people you were looking for a job or that you were interested in becoming something or making something of yourself. And my story really ends with jury duty. I was on jury duty and I was speaking with the lady sitting next to me and telling her my story that, you know, my career paths were not, weren't either working out or I was very unhappy. And, and I was unemployed at the time, uh, collecting unemployment. And she said, you know, I know there's uh, someone in unemployment that does retraining. And I, as soon as I left jury duty, I first stop I went is back to unemployment and spoke to, his name was Mr. Murphy, <laughs> but no relation. And, um, and I took a, a test and this fit me and it was the next thing open because unemployment was running out and I needed to pay my bills and it extended and I was retrained and I became a medical assistant that way. Um, that's such a great story. Uh, yeah, it is really good to share with people. I think you're right. Even strangers, you know, what, where you are and what you're looking for and I think the statistics are that 60 to 80% of jobs are word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I guess. I maybe. don't think there's anything wrong with telling people you're looking. It's mm -hmm. um, always been, um, always the way I've always done it is I've always made, you know, there's nothing wrong with telling people you're looking and, um, and that's how you find different things. So 
Yeah. So you entered, you had free training that was through um, your local unemployment office. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yes, I did. Wow. So how long did that take you? It took me, um, I did an accelerated program, Mm -hmm. which is usually done instead of you're going to school actually 40 full hours a week. Uh Uh-huh. So with that, I was done in about six months. That's fast. Mm -hmm. It is very fast. Again, the tail end, I did an evening course because uh, for some reason I enjoyed a lot of clinical work Mm -hmm. uh, because you do an internship where you work for a doctor or facility your last month of school. And I really decided at that point, I enjoyed working hands-on with patients because you could take medical assisting. You can take medical assisting into uh, becoming an office manager Mm -hmm. and be more administrative, or you can be a clinical person. And I knew I really liked being a clinical person. So I got a certification in um, phlebotomy and and, because I wanted to draw blood and, and start IVs and do things like that. Um, that makes me think like, I'm just terribly squeamish around blood. And somebody told me though, in a healthcare training program that actually they had students who signed up to get the training. And then, then in the training realized like they couldn't handle being around blood. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is. Yeah. It doesn't bother me at all. Not at all. No. And, but yeah, like, Right. Just note to everyone out there, like, think about that. There are lots of careers out there, which we're going to cover on this channel. And um, it's pretty fundamental. But also being um, someone who wants to do clinical, uh, how do you, how do you, um, what's what's the interest you have in the clinical work? What do you like about that? I like uh, going in the room with the patient and either assisting the doctor or working on something myself with the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like uh, teaching uh, and you, a lot of what we do is just since it's dermatology, I teach people how to take care of wounds, treat conditions, um, the do's and don'ts of uh, to help themselves get better or um, the treatments, because uh, we deal with a lot of skin cancer mm. and things like that. And, and it's a scary word, but, you know, it's very treatable. So you need to, and I enjoy that comforting of the patient. That's why I wanted to be a flight attendant. I thought I could comfort people and make them feel better if they were scared. And Aww. I found out I never would have thought I'd have been medicine even a day before I met the lady at unemployment, uh, <laughs> but I found out there's a bridge from what I really wanted to do. And the reason I wanted to do it into medicine. So although I took a chance, I am so happy. You have to look at more things that think of what you want to do and what maybe you thought you wanted to do and find similarities. And I think that's where I found this very fulfilling and just, I'm, ha- I'm happy at what I do. I know I I can tell that really when I talk to you and it's wonderful for me to be able to interview people that really love what they do. It it does come across, I think. It's it's so important. Um yeah. 
We spend a lot of hours at work. It doesn't tend to be the highest paying job. And, but, um, where you find you get, uh, is when you specialize. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, some people, it is really great to work for the neighborhood primary care physician or pediatrician. It's in your neighborhood. It works around your schedule when you have children or anything like that. And then there's a whole realm of uh, speaking with a lot of other medical assistants in specializing, whether you specialize in running offices and, and all, all of which is a huge job or right. in clinical uh, surgery and skin surgeries and um, and you gain uh, some people love it, large institutions. I like being with a smaller doctor because we have a certain working relationship where he can entrust in me to do certain things on my own, which I really enjoy and with him. So um, tell us a little bit about that, because from from what you described to me, one of the specialties of your dermatologist, one of them is hair transplantation, right, which is huge. So many people, I mean, so many people are interested in um, having that done. I bet you have patients out the door. But when you're talking in terms of being a specialist, is that an area of specialty for you now that makes you more valuable in the workforce, do you think? I do. I mean, there are only 127 people, uh, 127 hair transplant robots on the country, in the country, and I run one of them. Uh, and there's like 180 worldwide and I run one of them. And, um, I think for that, yeah, there's smaller, uh, market, but yeah, you're, there's not that many people who do what I do. Um, also when the surgeries are done manually, um, you have to make each and every graft all by yourself and, you know, sit there with the tissue and make it which is like a little puzzle being put together. And it's um, not that many people do it. So in that way, yeah, it's a very kind of little, little place I've made from little space I've made for myself. Yeah. uh, For one thing, by the way, I didn't know robots were involved in doing that. It's not something I know a lot about, I admit, but that's, pretty interesting. And yeah, that's highly specialized given that there must be hundreds of thousands of people that get some kind of transplantation done in this country every year. I, do you know any figures about that? Oh, I know there are tens of thousands of hair transplants uh, performed (laughs) in the United States every year. I mean, we've all seen them, but the bad ones are the ones you see. The good (laughs) ones are the ones you don't. God, um, so noted. <laughs> yeah. So you have more, um, from what you told me, I would call it a consultative relationship with the doctor you work with. You've been f- with him now for how many years? Um, I just completed 23 years. Yeah. That's in this day and age, that's almost unheard of to have a relationship with an employer of that duration. Wouldn't you say? Yes, it would. And my first job right out of school, I knew I wanted a clinical job. So I was looking around for surgery positions and I found a surgery position in a a clinic that does hair transplants. And I was with them for about three and a half years. And then I realized I want, you know, and then I started looking um, to see 
what was out there in the field. And I found the doctor that I currently work for and been with him ever since. Um, Cause I, re- I did not want to work for a larger clinic. I wanted to work for um, a smaller in a smaller practice. Yeah. You know, you raise a really good point that when you're looking at a career, sometimes we're not thinking about that yet, but it really can make a difference in the ex- your work experience, what size employer you're working with. And a smaller employer can be that more intimate consultative experience um, as opposed to maybe a large um, corporation, right? Which might be have a lot more issues with a structure and assigning responsibility and maybe not allow you as much freedom as you get in your current role. Yeah, I feel like I decided to go into a smaller practice also with a doctor that had um, the type of personality that wanted me to experience growth as well. So um, we're definitely doing a lot more hair treatments that I'm very involved with, with him. And I draw blood every day and we do, you know, different types of treatments along with the other specialists in our office that does skin cancer. So I do a lot of patient counseling for that. I think that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you can see that getting the training really has blossomed into so many different areas of responsibility for you that I think from what you said, have allowed you to really build on what you think you do best, right? Which is really hands-on work with patients. Right now, I think my job is split down the middle. Um, I do 50% a lot of uh, clinical and it's all of it is patient care, but part of it is more clerical where I'm following patients and making sure their skin cancers are out, reporting their results to them and making sure, you know, they're on the track to getting cured. And then there's the whole in-office and surgery portion of that, as well as the hair practice and, and things like that, where I'm, I'm hands-on with patients. So it doesn't sound like any one day is exactly the same. Is that right? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and do you like that variety? I love it. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm glad that's where my life took me to. And this whole career path took me into uh, being able to uh, have my daily tasks are very diverse, um, all within the same category and specialty, but yes, very, very diverse. And there isn't one day that's just like the next, the another. You know, um, I always like to ask this to people, but um, because I hope, and I hope it's a good question for you, but what's one thing you wish people understood about what you do? Oh, then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I wish they understood that um, I, I, I take, you know, I take it this seriously and I do take it home with me. And um, I really want the best of care for them. Oh. <clears throat> and well, it's not just a hang up and it's over. I, you know, I really I carry it with me. I do carry it, but that's my personality. No, I think it's wonderful. It's like you have a vocation, they call it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I also think it's worth asking you about something employers call soft skills. So it seems to me that anything that is dealing with patients hands-on requires a lot of, I would call it, yes, they're called soft skills, but things that have to do with um, working as a team, communicating well, um, knowing how to have good boundaries. Um, do you think those skills are important for success in your, in your job? I do. I do. Um, I think because if you're not, whether it's the patient or the coworkers, if you're not, if I'm understanding the, this right, you're, if you're, if, if everything isn't running smoothly, um, it's not going to work. You have to have those the skills to not only be able to work with others and to work on your own. Yeah, I guess the reason I always find this is a good and empowering question, I hope for everyone out there listening, is that if you're thinking of changing careers and you've been out of school for a few years, sometimes looking at healthcare, maybe you're curious about getting trained in a healthcare role, but you're not sure if you're right. I think you should be confident that you've probably matured and those skills are really valuable and and integral to success in the workforce Mm -hmm. yeah I do believe I mean I started this journey and you know I grew up in a different time a little bit but uh then the days but I started this journey in my mid-20s thinking I was so late in the process and it is never too late because I've seen people change their career path or even enter into medical assisting or something in their thirties and forties, um, for whatever reason. Um, and there is definitely a lot of places in medicine where you can volunteer just to see if you want to be around it. Is that true? Can you tell, can you tell us more about how well, if might find something like, like that? Definitely hospital or patient advocates and mm. you know, any kind of different aids and stuff. I know it's more hospital based. Um, but, you know, through nursing homes and hospitals, they definitely have a lot of volunteer. And it could be things as simple as rearranging flowers and making sure everyone's got that to just talking with patients or helping them get to their um, appointments. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always there are things that you can do just to at least get your try to be around it to see if you want to be around it. Oh, that's such a good point. Um, I really appreciate that. So being able to volunteer a little time to see if, yeah, well, like you can deal with blood. (laughs) 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 So I'm like a fainter, you know, but I I do think like that was pretty interesting when I was told that there were people that just had to drop out of programs sometimes because like they hadn't thought about that. And I don't know if maybe you could think about it. Maybe you would have to experience it. You'd have to go in there and see patients. And yeah, I can, I can understand what you're saying, but there are a lot of people now and um, they've had, they've already had a career and maybe they just are looking for something else or they're tired of juggling several jobs. And this is a way that you can get into I think a solid entry point in healthcare where 
also you're getting benefits. Yes. Which is important for people. It's not like a gig. You're Mm -hmm. when you're a medical assistant, you're a W2 full-time employee, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. Retirement, you know, which is really important. (laughs) I mean, as you get older, you realize, you know, what you make today is important as what goes into your retirement. Your retirement, medical, health care coverage. I mean, you need all of that. And you can definitely Mm -hmm. get that medical assisting. So do you have any thoughts? Because I I think this is a good a good issue to just sit on for just a minute because there are a lot of jobs out there that it's what we're looking for in careers without four years is getting that job that's got full benefits. It's got health care, it's got 401k, and you're like fully supported by the employer as opposed to maybe feeling more vulnerable as a a gig economy worker, right? And if you're there and that's what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with it. But I'm just saying that for a lot of people, those are not the, those are, they're not intangible, but they're not cash, right? So you're getting paid. And in addition, your pay is topped off by healthcare benefits, right? By 401k plan. And that increases the, the income to you even if some of that is in the future. So something to consider when you're looking at another career path and in healthcare, medical assistance, just an excellent like first door to walk through. And I think as Ellen has said, there are many places to go within that. And in addition, there are other certifications that you can get, like she has hers in phlebotomy, but in other areas or in maybe more uh, tech areas, right? Like radiology or something where you can step off. And the way things are with employers these days is that they're more eager to upskill you than maybe they were 10 years ago. They're more eager to say, well, look, we'll pick up that education for you. Definitely. And I think um, some of the best, I mean, if you look at any a doctor's office, just local small practice or all these urgent cares that are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and now they're in the clinical, in the clinics, especially and in hospitals. Medical assistants in the early days were not integrated into hospitals, but now they are, especially oh, in clinics and in, in the um in the in those areas for screening because I mean we do there are a lot of um clinical things that they do if you didn't want to do blood, there are EKGs. Medical assistants are trained in medical assisting school to do EKGs. Um, as an ex- example, blood pressure and taking people's temperatures and, you know, working with babies, which everything is done a little bit differently. And part of it is blood drawing, but you don't have to be do all everything. You can right. do the things that you're most interested in and kind of pick a practice type of practice that is more uh, based that way, that where it has the things that you like doing um, and they do a lot of it. And that's how that's why I ended up in the surgery surgery route for me. Yeah. And I think that's something that is a great um, illustration for people out there is that Ellen thought about where she wanted to go with it and you guys can too so 
understand that you're considering this, but now there are several ways that you could practice that medical specialty that you get. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing for you to have an intention to go out and look for that kind of employer. I mean, was it like this when you started out 20 years ago? Was your career, was, was your, were your job duties as diverse as they are today? No, no, not at all. Um, definitely not coming at right, right out of school. Um, I did get, my first job was in, um, a place that I did uh, surgery, but there was a lot of also training at that point because you, uh, just like anybody in healthcare, you get a broad base. And then when you specialize, you get retrained in the office working, you know, you're working and, um, and then you add more and then you, it doesn't take long within a month or so you're usually on your own. Um, but any kind of, uh, office-based or any procedure-based, they know that you have a broad base of knowledge how to, but they don't, they know that you haven't done this procedure specifically, but you know how to, you know, unpack instruments without contaminating them. I mean, a lot of the basics you're already trained. Oh yeah. So how has it been for you just because we're now in 2021 and we're, I don't know whether you can describe it as rounding the corner of the pandemic, but how has it been for you? You must have been working in the office throughout the pandemic. Is that right? We did. Yeah, we had to because we're essential workers. Um, we had to continue doing all non-elective procedures, even in the re- that yeah. the heat of it. And it really and I got to say, in certain times, it was sometimes my most fulfilling work because, you know, you're doing it under. Um, a lot of pressure and people, everybody's scared about other things. And, you know, patients didn't want to be there, but everybody had to be there because, you know, they needed, this was not, a, <laughs> this was not um, optional. You yeah, know, you are essential. Cancer, you need to have that taken off regardless of COVID or not. So um, you're, Put yourself at risk, but um, a lot of times these skin cancers are on on the face. So we were operating on patients without masks. We had them on, of course, but patients yeah. didn't. You have yeah. to do. You have to, but you do have to do it. You know, you pull through, but you find out the most difficult times are almost the most rewarding times. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard today, please comment, like, and share it. And subscribe for more great interviews and ways to save money on college and trade schools and even find free training. And don't forget to look me up. (laughs) Um, I'm over on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Take care.